Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care and God bless. I've always been amazed by people who have figured out a new and better way of doing something. Like, for instance, I was the other day asked to chop up carrots and celery and onions that would, in turn, become part of what my wife, Joy, would create delicious lentil soup. In all candor, the only reason I was considered for the role of cutter-upper was that we now have this new device right here. (laughs) Isn't she a beauty? This will change your life. It will also leave you with one less digit if you're not careful. I'm not kidding. This sucker has my total respect. Whoever invented this, and I'm sure the Nobel Peace Prize is probably locked up, but I think this should be in the running. After all, think of how much peace this one apparatus creates. Think of all the spared arguments. It will undoubtedly save marriages relationships of all kind. Imagine a life without. These pieces are way too big. These pieces are way too small. Look at how huge this one is, and these are almost pulverized. You have to start over. Start over. I didn't want to do it in the first place. And then the schism starts. But with this baby, for just $20.99, with free shipping, You, me, everyone can have perfectly sized pieces of anything. Or a cell phone or communication as a whole. When I was a kid, phones had cords and they were attached to the wall. For years, my father, a preacher, was a volunteer in the Hayward Fire Department. There were not pagers. They did not exist. Instead, when someone called the local fire department, Lucy, the owner of Lucy's bar, would answer the phone. She would determine if the person was actually wanting the fire department or they were wondering what beer was on tap. (laughs) By the way, that beer never changed. But if there was a need for the fire department to be dispatched, she would in turn dial a number and every one of the volunteer firefighters' phone with a cord attached to the wall would have a long, constant ring, and everyone knew trouble is afoot. If the firefighters happened to be inside their home, they would hear the phone, they would race to the fire station. However, somewhere along the way, someone thought the world would be better if it had a beeper, that little thing you put on your belt so no matter where the firefighters might be, they could hear the summon and go and help and save lives. On Thursday, December 1st, a woman by the name of Rosa got on a city bus to go from work to home. She sat down in the fifth row, which was considered the first row in the colored section. There she sat, where she was unfortunately supposed to sit. 
as repugnant as that was, it got worse because suddenly the bus driver came up to her and said, you need to get up and you need to give your seat to this white man. No, Rosa Parks said. No, I'm not going to move. I can only guess what was racing through her mind, this brave and courageous and fabulous woman. Not only do you make me and others sit in a particular section, now you want me to leave this particular section and give it up to some... No. No. This must stop. With me, with us, starting right now. But if you are a history wonk, you know that it did not start at that moment. Just to add to how messed up we are, nine months earlier, a 15-year-old black woman, Claudette Colving, she was on a city bus in the same city as Rosa. She was asked to move, just like Rosa. And just like Rosa, Claudette said, no, no, I will not move. Claudette was arrested and taken to jail. Claudette told NPR in 2009, when I was asked to move, it happened to be Black History Month and we had studied Harriet Tubman and others, including leaders in women's rights. I was scared, I started to cry, I said the Lord's Prayer. So why were Claudette's actions nearly forgotten while clearly Rosa Parks were not? Most people with Intel suggest Claudette was 15 years old, she was unwed, and she was pregnant. People were fearful that no one would take her seriously or her actions because of her condition in life. Two things came to my mind. Number one, Claudette did the right thing, even before Rosa. She was brave, she was courageous and fearless. Claudette was worthy of leading others. And number two, as I thought about her some more, something came to my mind. I thought about a 15-year-old who was unwed. Hmm, who would that be? Mary, the mother of our Lord, was around 15 and unwed. On July 2nd, 1505, a young man by the name of Martin Luther was returning to university for his studies. It was before a bus. He was on horseback. And all of a sudden, a lightning bolt struck near him during a thunderstorm. Martin's first thought was, this must be a sign from God to get my attention, which it did. Perhaps it was a warning. Maybe this was some form of punishment. So Martin bargained with God by saying, so God, what do you say if I make it out of this alive, I will leave the university and become a monk. And as they say, the rest is history because he went on merrily and he was fine. And so he went to school to be a monk. He started to take classes, 
He worked really hard. In fact, the curious and attentive and ravenous scholar listened to every word that came out of everyone's mouth. However, it got really interesting when he took what he heard from the scholar's mouths and then he had in the other hand the Holy Bible and then he compared the two. Best I can picture it, day after day after day, this petulant, ravenous student would raise his hand and he would say, what you're telling us does not match with what I read in scripture. And finally, Martin was told, Martin, put down the Bible and listen to us. And Martin said, no. No, I won't. I will never put down the Bible. I will listen to God. I will listen to scripture. In fact, Martin was so full of I will nots, the religious authorities tried to have Martin killed. And so Martin went into hiding. He ended up falling in love with Katie, who was a nun. That's another sermon. But he was not only in love, he also wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote, and he prayed. And when he came out, he changed the world. In fact, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted, as you know, the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, the catalyst for the Reformation. Time does not allow me to cover all 95. Tim Graff told me that. So I will highlight Five. Don't worry, they're brief. Number one, Scripture alone is a source of truth about God and life with God. In the church of that day, they were pretty good at coming up with rules and ordinances and bylaws and constitutions and things that people should do that were not tied to Scripture. And Martin Luther said, you can have humanly constructed rules, but you cannot take those that are not found in Scripture and say they come from God. That you cannot do. God and life with God is holy with an H and holy with a W found in Scripture. And of all the different traditions, of all the different denominations, this I know as a marinated and lifelong Lutheran is that you will not find a tradition that all of his theology is embodied and found solely in Scripture. And if there is an ordinance or decree or bylaw that doesn't find itself in Scripture, we are free as people to follow it thusly. This was a big deal where he said, you can listen, but you don't have to follow if it's not in God's holy book we are made right with God because of Jesus because of Jesus obedience and death on the cross this is a big deal to a bunch of people who are told that if you follow these things you will be made right with God walk on this little narrow path and if you do it you can actually and I know all of you are just amazed you think I'm going to fall I practice this all week but if you follow these precepts that were stacked in the benefit of the religious order, then God will say, you and I are fine. Reverend Al Rognes was a pastor first and then president of Luther Seminary where all six of us pastors go. 
he was a wonderful man, and he wrote a devotion that I continue to just duct tape, the word for every day. He was a great scholar, but he was also a great pastor, and he was also relatable. And one day, one of his friends, who was a member of the church that he served, came up, and he said, I don't understand why Jesus had to die. Then Ragnar said, well, it's kind of interesting because the one to whom he was speaking, his friend was an attorney, a prosecuting attorney. And so he said, well, come in here, my ironic friend. You don't understand why someone had to pay for sinfulness? You're a prosecuting attorney. When someone does something wrong, when someone trespasses, when someone sins, when you do the crime, you have to do the time. Something has to happen. The bill has to be paid, at least in part, if not full. That you understand. And here is the thing with humans. We all sin. We all fall short. And in God's economy, you can't have someone who's a sinner pay the bill in total when you're a sinner for all the sinners. It had to be someone who was perfect. And the only one who is perfect and is perfect is Jesus. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's why Jesus had to die. And when he died, he died once and he died for all. It's like when you go out and someone's nice enough, maybe you're in a party of 10 and you're lucky and someone says, I'll cover the bill. And you're like, I love you. You don't go up and pay the bill. You might want to not be a Cretan and contribute to the tip. I'm just saying Emily Post would think that was good. But you follow? We're made right, not because of something we do, but because of something was done. And Martin Luther was listening to all the things going on, and they were told that if you do this and you don't do that, you might, you might, you may be, you could be possibly okay. And Martin says that's not okay because it's not the biblical truth. Three, we are saved because of Jesus. Two, that's why my title is All Because of Jesus. I tell this story. I don't know if I invented it, but I didn't find it. The way I think of this is, hypothetically speaking, let's just say that we're at the gates of heaven, and as Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, says, there's gates in heaven? What kind of neighborhood is that anyway? <laughs> anyway, they're at the gates of heaven, and there's Peter, not Pastor Peter. He's our Pastor Peter, St. Peter, who's the security guard at the gates of heaven, and then Jesus is in the management seat over here just watching. And Mother Teresa, when she died, she went up to heaven. And she came up, and St. Peter was like, oh, this will be easy. He rolls the tape. He goes, man, you were righteous. I mean, seriously, Calcutta? Wow, way to go. I mean, I just want to watch this just because it's so awesome. And you're so irregular, and you're so astonishing. But I can hit pause because, you know what? You were so great. You're going to heaven. Thank you. Knuckles, knuckles. Jesus comes down and says, got a question. Yeah, sure, boss. So, not arguing that she wasn't great. She loved all my children. She did great things. But, 
If she got there because she's righteous, why did I die on the cross? That's a great question, but we have, we have, a, we have somebody else here. I'll, I'll get back to you. Now, I was thinking about all week who I could pick on. Um, I, I have apparently t- picked on lawyers, and a couple of lawyers here have told me and sent me emails that I pick on them too much, although I said Shakespeare started it first. You need to re- read your Shakespeare. But let's just say that someone devised an elaborate Ponzi scheme and pilfered money from thousands of people and did other things that were just heinous as well and comes up to St. Peter. And Peter says, you've been a naughty boy. I know you weren't held enough, but really, you crushed a lot of people's lives and love God, love people. I mean, you, you didn't even thread that. So I'm sorry to tell you you're not saved and you're going to hell because cause. Jesus comes over with more of a countenance of anger and says okay here's my question the first Mother Teresa was righteous and she went to heaven because of herself but the one who came was a rascal and was sinful and did some heinous things can you tell me why I died on the cross? If you're not a card-carrying Lutheran, you're at least here. And if you're a different denomination, you can hose off later. But this is the hallmark of what we are about being saved. We're saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and you can say yes I have faith but as Lutherans we believe that too is a gift and then you can say and argue about good works and I can say good works only happen because of the fertile faith that is given to us and that is our response to all the blessings therein is my dear friend the Reverend Dr. Hansi Wersma coined back off buddy I'm baptized Back off. Jesus died for me. You are saved all because of Jesus, apart from the works of the law and anything you do or you do not do. This is one thing we can't mess up. Number four, all of God's children have direct access to God. No saint or clergy have better means of accessing God. This was a timely thing in that day because the holy dudes controlled everything. The holy dudes had more power than almost anybody else, and they said, it's about us, and we'll let you know. In fact, clergy would take both elements, and here you can have one. Only if we say you can have one. And Martin Luther said, the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. In other words, all of you here and listening online are ministers. Some of us are pastors. All of you are ministers. Do you know that all of you can baptize children? Pastor Matthew is really good at it. He's kind of like our baptizing, baptizing pastor. But you don't have to be ordained. 
You could come up on a Sunday and say, I'll take this. We believe that. It is nothing special that they gave us when we're ordained. You can consecrate communion elements. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Do you know why we say that? Because that's what Jesus said. Is it because we say it? No. Is it because it said yes? Why do we do it? For good and right order. Because who knows what some of you are going to say. And hopefully, us six people know what we're doing. But you are also ministers. And back in the day, they held it to a few people and said, it's about us. We who have these. And what Luther said, it's about all of us. Anything we do, you can do and are called to do. Five, indulgences and purgatory. This is in no particular order, although Martin Luther was really chapped about this. There was a real person named Tetzel, T-E-T-Z-E-L, and I don't know, maybe in a rough economy we should come up with this because it was a great fundraising tool because Tetzel would have this big bonfire to signify purgatory, which is a place where you go and you spend time relative to the sins for which you did not confess, that you didn't tell the padre. And Tetzel would be in there, would be a roaring fire. I'm not making this up. Don't Google it. Read Martin Luther. Read something scholarly and have this big fire. And then Tetzel, he was really good. He would look at someone and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Your mom died. Yep, I'm so sorry about that. But you know what? I know that there are things for which she did not atone. She didn't confess about a number of things. And actually, she's in a place just like this. Look at this roaring fire. But... You can get your mom out of that for only this much money. I'm not kidding. This happened. And Martin Luther was burning metaphorically like that fire. Because he said, most of all, I don't see purgatory in the Bible. And remember the point about things being in the Bible? If they're not in the Bible. And so he said, take it down. What you're doing is effective, but it's defective. He said purgatory doesn't exist. I amend this, lest the DMV or lines at Costco. <laughs> that is my purgatory here on earth. Give me a break. But as soon as you and I breathe our last, as soon as anyone you love and know breathes their last, the everlasting covenant and contract that Jesus sealed on the cross takes effect. No questions asked. For 31 years, I have had the privilege and the duty to be with people as they mourn their loved ones and as an ordained minister of the church, of the Lutheran church, I can look at them and say, Jesus Christ died for you. 
a forgiven sinner that was saved by the blood of Christ. And it's done. And I can say, good news. And I can say, it's true. And here I stand. Now let's talk about your dad. Now let's talk about your mom. Now let's talk about how great and how loving. And we can talk about those things. Because the most important thing we can talk about and worry about has already been taken care of all because of Jesus. Reformation. As we all know, life continues to change. To me, you know, upper 50s, I'm, I'm trying to keep up. We need to morph, innovate, improve, and remodel in all spheres of life and government and education, society, neighborhoods, churches. You think I started with a chopper and you think I didn't mention Rosa and Claudette on purpose? You bet I did. I hope we get better as a nation. I hope we keep on reforming. I hope we become more peaceful. I hope we become more full of grace. I hope we become more loving. I hope we become more kind. In other words, I don't think the Reformation is over. And you notice the Reformation is a lowercase r, which is different than capital R. We're never, ever, ever done reforming in church, in society, and with one another. To that I say, thank you, Jesus, and so help us God. Amen. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.